0: Welcome to Tax Justice Warriors, a podcast that celebrates the work of low-income taxpayer clinics and talks about issues related to tax news. I'm your host, Omid Farouzi, Professor of Practice and Director of the Low-Income Taxpayer Clinic at Temple Law School. So we're in a series now in the Tax Justice Warriors podcast of interviews I conducted with colleagues and students of mine at the Temple Law LITC. The next interview here that you'll hear on this episode is of shaheen rahimi an attorney at the legal aid society of san diego i interviewed shaheen at the annual low-income taxpayer clinics conference in washington dc in december 2023 shaheen thanks for doing this glad to be here so shaheen's a senior attorney at legal aid of san diego and i've gotten to know him over the last few years we actually met at the litc conference in 2019 we're both Iranian-Americans, so salam, Turut. Uh, so, uh, Shaheen, uh, tell us about yourself. So, uh, uh, where did you grow up? How did you find yourself in the world of tax?
1: Sure, uh, I'm happy to be here. Glad uh, I can provide some information and some insight. I was born in Iran. I immigrated with my family to the U.S. around 1986 in the Bay Area and after moving around a little bit in California, we settled in San Diego sometime in 1990. So after moving around a bunch, I got to go to high school and college and law school all in one spot, which was nice. And yeah, right now I'm an attorney and I've been there at Legal Aid Society of San Diego since 2007. It's a nonprofit uh, that provides legal services, outreach and education to all uh, San Diego County residents. And we've got lots of different teams that provide free legal services besides my team, which is the tax team.
0: And so uh, you, I see here, uh, were an LITC director in the past, is that correct?
1: Yes, yes. I took over from my mentor, Jason Turner, who was running the LITC from 2005 to 2007. So when I joined Legal Aid, I took over that uh, that role and I've been the director since.
0: Okay, very good. And so uh, in the work that you've done in San Diego, Uh, What are some of the most notable kinds of tax cases that you've seen?
1: So uh, we get all types of cases, as you obviously know. Uh, I think the most rewarding ones are those with uh, identity theft cases, things like that where the taxpayer is really a victim of something that's going on out of their hands. Uh, I got a case right now where we think the young man's um, estranged father in central California is using his social to earn some income. And unfortunately, four or five tax years of his have been adjusted to account for this extra income the IRS believes he made, even though he's never been to Central California. And so those are the type of cases that I feel uh, are very rewarding. And I'm always telling folks that I never really have a lack of motivation to go to work because there's so Mm -hmm. many people that need some help, uh, especially people in my community that are like myself, an immigrant or English as a second language, uh, or people that aren't really familiar with the tax system. It's a large bureaucracy. If I went around my legal aid office and asked attorneys, what letter don't you want to get in your mailbox, they'll probably say something from the IRS. Right. And so in that regard, it's very rewarding to be able to help people that need some assistance.
0: So have you found that your background as an Iranian-American has helped you there in terms of connecting with some of those clients and being able to understand their issues? Because I can say for me, that's been the case uh, with clients who have uh, been... uh, either immigrants themselves or are uh, children of immigrants or who are deal- dealing with issues that are ones that I would be familiar with through my own family experience.
1: Absolutely. I mean, the irony here is that this country was built by immigrants uh, way back in the day. Uh, and so and in San Diego, it is a relatively diverse uh, population. We've got all types of folks from all over. I think uh, we are the second largest population of Chaldean Americans, people that are from Iraq that are Christians. And so... Um, there's so many different folks. We have some Somali folks. We have some Chaldeans, as I mentioned, uh, our, our uh, countrymen as well. And so it does give me an extra bit of insight as an immigrant to assist those that come here, especially those that are coming and starting a new life and trying to do what's right. We were just talking about in our last conference about folks with ITINs. And so that's someone who is undocumented, but it's providing information to the federal government, filing taxes, trying to be on the right side of the law, and so again, it's very rewarding to help everybody out that needs it, especially those that are speaking English as a second language, or, are, or, or they're immigrants as well.
0: So, in the work that you've done, you've said that you found identity theft to be something that you, you've especially focused on. That's so interesting, because I just talked to Lisa Spiro uh, yesterday, and she was saying how she had a very similar case to what you claimed uh, there about the, this was somebody who, again, their parent had been working under their SSN. Do you find that that has become more prevalent in recent years, just with everything getting more online and things of that nature happening?
1: Absolutely, and I can tell you numbers-wise, I can have the context for that since I started in 07, and I would have a handful of those cases in 2007, 2008, and it has become a larger percentage of the cases we work, especially because of technology. It you know. Uh, technology has such a, um, such a do- double-edged sword because while it does provide so much convenience to folks and you can do stuff remotely and online, but on the other side of it, it is ripe for scammers and thieves and people to mm-hmm. take advantage. Um, my, own, my own elderly mother, I remember about a couple of years ago or maybe before the pandemic, she almost got scammed into going and buying a bunch of Target gift cards because someone had called and pretended to be IRS. The irony of that is her son is an attorney who works in taxes, so it has become a more prevalent thing, especially with technology, especially with remote access for folks, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's been definitely something I've, I've seen more of.
0: So in terms of other kinds of cases that you have, so as you, as you may know, I'm an expert in worker misclassification, and California, of course, is a state where this has been front and center with the AB5 law and then Proposition 22, exempting Uber and Lyft drivers, from the law and now the court challenges that are still ongoing with regard to proposition 22 and whether it was constitutional under the california state constitution so is that an issue that you've dealt with specifically with regard to gig workers and the interplay of ab5 which of course also affects other classes of workers who now have uh, stronger employee rights under this law and that even though you know that's not irs uh, and there is still some uh, interplay, potentially some coordination between tax agencies. Have you dealt with that at all?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Kind of similar to the identity theft sort of increase. There's been more gig workers that are coming to get help from us, whether they're Lyft or Uber or Grubhub or whatever. Um, It seems to be a more prevalent issue, not only in the worker classification, but just in general with taxes and getting their um, returns audited. I just had a guy who has come to us for, assistance with an audit of his return, he's a taxicab driver, and it also has some cryptocurrency elements to it, but that is a common thing that we get, is folks that are um, self-employed, that are doing gig work, that are doing 1099, not necessarily on the context of being mischaracterized, but they are having more problems in their tax return audits, mm-hmm. for sure. That's been an increase.
0: So, being in California, I know you, and I asked this question of Lisa and Rob from New York, that you guys are in a high tax state at least relative to other states so are there specific state tax issues that you deal with that are notable
1: yeah i was we were just talking in our california group about some airing of grievances with the state of california and the franchise tax board it is it is a funny thing that i've learned to um give that first speech when i meet with clients at first and i say hey if you've got an issue with the state and the feds, take care of the state issue first. Mm-hmm. State of California is more aggressive, they have more funding, they're better trained, they have longer to collect, and they're less likely to negotiate. If I'm, you know, in the, in the 16 years, if I'm 150 out of 170 or so in offering compromises on the federal side successfully done, 80, 90%, I think I'm two for 12 or two for 13 with the state, much more difficult to deal with. As I said, they have longer to collect. State of California is also very aggressive in the SFR game, which is the substitute for return when the the, the taxpayer doesn't file. State of California doesn't just use the wage and income transcript, a record of the person's income. They will estimate based on their license they have on the books with California. Oh, hey, Johnny or Jane, you didn't file in 2018, but we see that you have a nursing license on board with the state of California. The average nurse in that year made 63,000, we're gonna assume you also made 63,000, wow. father return for you, and then you have to deal with it. So for, yeah, for sure, we got lots of issues with the state of California.
0: And how do you help somebody climb out of that?
1: Yeah, so part of that is obviously um, uh, uh, one of the missions of the LITC, which is to educate an outreach. We wanna to try to get out there as much as possible to prevent that mm-hmm. and to tell people, look, you've gotta file a return. Here's what the state of California does when you don't file. Here are some of the reasons why filing a return is important. Prevent identity theft. Prevent an issue with compliance later on when you want to try to negotiate. But for sure, know your rights and know that the state of California, under the law, can do that. They, they even did this, again, I'll try to make it personal. My wife's parents got a letter four or five years ago uh, asking them to agree to an assessment of taxes because the records in California showed they were paying uh, interest on a mortgage of a home they own. And therefore, the ordinary lending practices says that if you have 13,000 of, int- of, of mortgage payments you make, you must have made four times that amount as income. And so now we're going to propose an assessment based on this. And so Jeez. they got to resolve it, of course, uh, you know, file a return and declare their Social Security income. That's not taxable. But those are the kind of things we try to get out there and do the education and outreach to assist our fellow consumers in the community to know that there are important risks that come with not filing a return. Get those returns in
0: so that that that's really important and and I hope that you at uh, legal aid of san diego find that you're well funded in the ability to do that outreach and education I I remember in 2018 the first time I visited san diego was for the ABA tax section conference back then which of course it was in san diego again for that uh, uh, January, February meeting uh, just earlier this year in such a beautiful city. And I remember driving out or uh, going in a lift to go visit some friends out on the highway. And I saw from the highway, I think, a big green lit up sign for uh, San Diego Legal a. Is that where your office is? Yeah, um,
1: I've, I've been in that office. I've kind of moved around. We've got three offices in San Diego, one in North County, one that you saw off the freeway in Midtown, and then one in National City. Obviously, we've got a website at www. Lassd.org, um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that we just recently had on a sad note our executive director of almost 50 years Gregory, Gregory noel passed away recently so my development director wanted me to make sure I mentioned that there is a Gregory noel legacy fund you can donate on our website um, to his cause he was a terrific steward of the Legal Aid Society of San Diego as I said two weeks removed from being a 50 year anniversary of taking over in 1973. So yes, we we are um, all over San Diego. I think uh, a couple of days ago I looked on my um, uh, device and I saw that there were 228 participants at an all staff meeting. We're a very large law firm. I think we've got more than 80 attorneys that are working in our office, doing everything from housing to consumer to family law to healthcare to tax to unemployment insurance benefits. So we we are always striving to make ourselves more known. Folks really know more about like the public defender's office that provides mm-hmm. free assistance to people in the criminal uh, setting. And I always. Reference that when we're in outreach events and uh, I say hey, you know about the public defender Well, we're the same as legal aid instead. We're on the civil side of things We help you with those issues that don't come up in a criminal setting
0: I'm sorry for your loss and he seemed like a really wonderful leader and we could put the link for that in the show notes in fact and It sounds like the agency is very similar to where I worked previously at Philadelphia legal assistance where we had various units, you know, family law, unemployment compensation as well, consumer housing, medical legal partnership, tax unit, and so it's it's a benefit to have that. Are you LSC funded?
1: We are. I think we were talking about that amongst our group about some of the restrictions that come with Legal Services Corporation funding, and so how there's workarounds to try to do that. We just had some... Internal meetings in our with our management team about an upcoming LSC audit that we're going to have, as most organizations do. But again, it is another avenue of funding for us to provide the services that we do. Mm-hmm. We get funding from all all all, all types of uh, sources, with the state of California, federal government, private foundations, uh, individuals that donate to us. But yes, we're also LSC funded, and so that also you know uh, uh, provides some guidance for us as to what type of priorities we've got who we're helping with so that's part of it as well
0: has the, have you found that to be challenging though in terms of the restrictions?
1: yeah I think that's part of the job you know we, we always talk about internally how you have to understand that when you come into a nonprofit it's going to be a bit of a challenge compared to private practice but yet it does provide so many different exceptions I remember one of the clinicians earlier in this, week talking about how, yes, you know, we can't provide assistance to undocumented folks, but there are so many exceptions to that, Women's Against Violence Act, if they have an huh. ongoing um, uh, change of status, and there's so many different ways to, to still, find people, still find ways to help people. So while LSE does come with restrictions, it, there's still a, a, a way to get things done and to get creative about providing those legal services
0: now last year when we had our 25th anniversary of the Philadelphia Legal Assistance gathering it was at the Philadelphia Zoo you guys in San Diego have an amazing zoo. I had the chance to visit in February after the conference. Have you ever done any outreach, any events there for Legal Aid of San Diego? I'm
1: glad you brought that up. I'm going to take that back to management. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that would be pretty nice. I think San Diego is known for like SeaWorld and the zoo. So uh, as long as we can get to reach as many people that wouldn't have heard about us, I think that would be a great idea. So I'm gonna take I'm going to take your uh, idea and run with it when I get back home, for sure.
0: Very good. Well, Shaheen, thank you so much for joining us and safe travels home.
1: Appreciate it, you as well.
0: Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to Tax Justice Warriors. You can visit our website at taxjusticewarriors.com. Please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. The views expressed on this podcast are not official opinions of the IRS, the Low Income Taxpayer Clinic Program, or the employers or people who spoke on this program. Your tax situation is unique, so do not take the statements on this program as legal advice. Consult with your tax professional if you seek specific advice. There are now three things that are certain in life, death, taxes, and your subscription to the Tax Justice Warriors podcast.